You're listening to The Crossroad Podcast with Joey and Kylie Willis. Through redefining effective leadership, The Crossroad Podcast explores what it means to live a life of intention and purpose. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of effective leadership and vibrant living. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of The Crossroad Podcast. My name is Joey Willis, and unfortunately, Kylie's not able to make it today, so you are all stuck with just me. It's actually interesting that Kylie's not here today because it plays into our topic of discussion. Uh, We are entering our first cycle of IVF treatment in the coming days, and so Kylie is out today trying to get that all figured out and organized, and in order to keep up with the schedule... Uh, we've got to record, and so you've got just me today. But the reason it's apt for where we're at is this episode is about uncertain choices. And Kylie and I have been trying to get pregnant, trying to have a baby for the better part of five years, and have made a lot of uncertain choices, choices that we don't know how things are going to work out, choices where we're not even sure that we're doing the right thing, or Uh, you know, thoughts have entered our heads about are we even acting according to what God wants for us or what, um, what we really value. And so one of the most difficult things for us as people is to make decisions when our choices seem so uncertain. And I think Kylie and I are very aware that as podcasters, as leadership coaches, we can often talk about a lot of different things, including decision making, as if it's easier than it actually is. We make it sound easier than it actually is. And the truth is that decision-making is hard, you know? So we, we might say something like, you know, follow your heart or, or make choices according to your own values. But when it comes to practically living those things out, it's difficult, it's complex, uh, it's challenging, we second-guess ourselves, we're uncertain. And so what we want to do in this is just take a real, raw, honest assessment at the reality of uncertainty and the effect it has on the choices we make and on the ability for us to make choices. So a few examples of uncertain choices and what we mean when we're using that terminology for the purposes of of this episode. Uh, One example of an uncertain choice is when there are two very different options and both of those options might serve your values. So if I'm thinking about taking a job in Pittsburgh versus taking a job in San Francisco, and both jobs are kind of in alignment with my set of values, and maybe they're the same job, they're in just different locations. You know, the decision there is a big decision. Pittsburgh and San Francisco are two very different cities. And so making the decision about which one to do is challenging, even if I bring my my values into it. Because either choice can serve my, my values. Another example of an uncertain choice is when you aren't really sure if you can trust yourself. Uh, a lot of times we become very adept at self-deception. And so we, we develop a practice of claiming that things can act according to our values when we might know deep down that maybe I'm manipulating this a little bit. Maybe this is more about what... I want on some sort of superficial level and isn't really about my values. But then again, maybe it is about my values and I'm just overthinking it. And so even when we think we're considering things according to our values, it's difficult to discern how honest we're being with ourselves. 
And if we're really choosing a superficial manifestation of our values or something really meaningful and substantial and something that we should actually do and follow through versus something that just might be a good option but isn't the right option for us. A third example I will give for uncertain choices is that feeling you have when you're just completely lost and overwhelmed. When you say to yourself, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know how to start assessing how this has anything to do with my values. I just don't know what to do and I don't even know how to get started. So it's not a full list, but those are three kind of examples of what it looks like to deal with uncertain choices on a daily basis. And the first thing we're going to talk about is our obsession as people with certainty. Because I think one of the reasons that uncertain choices um, are so difficult to navigate is because there's something inside of us that feels as though certainty is uh, certainly attainable, but, but also necessary. Uh, and so as soon as we're not sure, we're not 100% sure, we think that that hijacks our ability to make choices or the rightness of our choice. And you'll see uh, the attempts that you make in your own heart, your own mind, and you'll see it in your friends and the way they talk about things. Uh, what we do is we are so obsessed with certainty that we try to figure out a way to close the gap between where I actually am and where I would like to be. So unfortunately, this is really the best example I can think of for this. But in Christian circles, a lot of times we use the God told me to thing to close that gap of certainty. And it's a form of, it can be a form of self-deception where we don't actually hear from God. It's just so much easier for us to say, I've, I have heard from God and he's told me exactly what I'm supposed to do. So the classic example of this is, is when God like tells somebody, this is the person that you're going to marry. So marriage and love, it's all so uncertain, right? Who am I going to date? How's it going to work out? Are we going to get together and be married forever? When you're dating, when you're single, those things are so uncertain. Is this the right person for me? Is this the one? All of those things seem so messy and uncertain that sometimes subconsciously, sometimes not even mean to, meaning to, we will take the posture of putting that certainty that we want onto God. So I would say, conservatively speaking, maybe 5% of the people who have said to me, I really feel like God has told me this is my husband or this is my wife. I would say about 5% of those actually end up together, which is an interesting and, and sad kind of reality and speaks to their, the idea that there it might be something else. There often is something else going on. And that's just one example. Another example in the faith community is we'll often use language like, I know for certain where I'm going to go when I die. I know that I'm going to heaven, which is, uh, which is really a misnomer because we don't really know anything. We believe there's, you know, faith. We have faith that, about how things are going to work out. I, I believe that Jesus is going to let me into heaven when I die. But I don't actually know. I don't actually know for sure. And that language, part of it is to build that confidence from where it really is to where I really want it to be, to eliminate this messiness of uncertainty. 
And I think in the faith world, it's really tragic because what we're doing by accident is eliminating the necessity of faith, the beauty of faith, the real value of what it means to believe in the midst of uncertainty, of not knowing for sure, but believing for sure. Those are two different things that we sometimes lose the distinction of. Another thing that comes into play in terms of our obsession with certainty, it kind of feeds into it, is the way that we tend to look at other people. As a defense mechanism of our own messiness and our own fear of loneliness and rejection, we all tend to put on this aura of confidence. You know, that's why social media is is so popular, because we can decide what we want to put out into the world. And if we take a picture where our teeth look terrible or our hair is a mess, we can delete it. We can take another picture. And that way we can present to the world this one picture of us standing on a mountain that they don't really like that. No one has any idea how many pictures it took, how awful we looked and the other sorts of pictures. And so me as an individual person, I am aware, relatively aware of my own fears, my own insecurities, how lost and alone and terrified I am all the time. But I look at these, you know, beautiful people on Instagram or these well-spoken people that I come into contact with, and I start to feel like they seem to have it all figured out. They seem to be certain. So it becomes this isolating thing where I feel like I'm unique and broken because I don't have it figured out the way that other people tend to do. And what we're doing when we do that is we're evaluating others through the lens of our own insecurity. We really have no idea what's going on with with this other person. Uh, The grass looks greener on the other side. We're believing something that they're putting forward, but they're probably believing something that we're putting forward. We have inside knowledge of our own fears and anxieties, and we don't really have that with most other people. And so what that creates is this meta-narrative of each of us feeling like we are an outlier because we're scared and uncertain and alone, when the truth is everybody feels that way. No matter what we're projecting, no matter uh, how we look, or no matter how glorious our, our posts are on social media, we're all feeling uncertain. And so each of us feels this need to kind of make up the gap between where we perceive ourselves to be and where we see the best versions of the people around us. Uh, And so we start thinking that the certainty is just around the corner. So I just need to do whatever it is that that person looks like they're doing in order to achieve that degree of surety and eliminate uh, the the uncertainty that's so troubling and, and complicated. Because here's the truth. Uncertainty is messy. It's beyond our control. It is past us. And we live in a world that's like, you know, bring yourself up by your bootstraps, make things happen, get things done, accomplish things. And so anything that is beyond our control feels like something that we need to uh, compensate for, something that we need to rein in, right? And so if I'm not capable of doing something, I need to prove myself capable of doing something or, or I need to sabotage or undermine that thing to make it come down to my level of capacity. Uh, And so uncertainty is something that a lot of us post-industrial revolution view as problematic, and it plagues us, and it makes us feel 
like we're failing. It makes us feel like we're making a mistake. So in terms of our individual choices, when we come up to certainty, we feel like we're coming up to a big monster, an obstacle, a dragon that needs to be slayed. It makes me think of those video games where uh, you know you get to the end and you've done all of the obstacles, you've done all the little things right, you've jumped over the chasms, you've collected the coins, you've ran fast, whatever the game is that you're playing. And then when you get to the end, there's this one big monster that you have to face. And when we're making decisions, that one, one big monster is often uncertainty. No matter how sure we are about our values, no matter how much research we've put into something, no matter how clear it might seem at points along the way, the, often the last time, the last thing that we get to, the last monster that we have to, to slay is this monster of uncertainty. So we have this obsession with defeating that monster, and sooner the sooner the better. Uh, we tend to believe the lie that we need surety, we need certainty, uh, in order for clarity to exist. And that's not really 100% true. The reality is that certainty is always elusive. There are very few things in this world that you can be absolutely 100% sure about. And we'll use that language. We'll use that language about all kinds of different things. But the reality is there are very sure things you can be 100% sure of. If you think about, even we talk about knowledge, science. I mean, there was a time when people were certain that the world was flat. Uh, There was a time where anything else was laughed at. There was a time where we were certain that Pluto was a planet. Like there, there are things, even when it comes to knowledge, that we're so sure about that we don't even question today that may be scientifically proven wrong. And that's just the easiest example. There are certainly things that we feel, things that we think, opinions that we have that are just never going to fall into the realm of absolute surety. The fact that you're not certain is a beautiful thing. It's an opportunity that we need to lean into. It's not just a monster. It's not just an obstacle we have to destroy. It actually can aid our decision making. It can aid in our ability to live our lives well and meaningful because that lack of certainty opens us up to things that are bigger than just ourselves. It opens us up to being surprised. It opens us up to participating in something more meaningful than I can comprehend. And that's a beautiful thing. A lot of the most beautiful things in the world, like marriage, you commit to a marriage and there's no certainty at any day of that marriage that your spouse is going to continue to be committed to you. There just isn't. Any day Kylie could decide she's packing up and leaving. And I don't believe that's going to happen, but but any day it's possible. There's no certainty. But day in and day out, we each make the commitment to each other. We make the commitment together to stay with one another and to continue partnering in this life. And in a sense, that real uncertainty, that real possibility that one of us could leave one another, but we don't, adds to the beauty and the intimacy and the daily uh, edification and fortification of our togetherness. And so in a real sense, as, as uncomfortable as we are about it, uncertainty is a value in our world. It's messy. It's, uh, it's painful in a lot of ways. But uncertainty can be valuable. It is valuable. And, and one of the things that 
one of the things, whether we like it or not, is uncertainty is is there. It's a reality. It is it is ever present. There's always going to be an element of doubt, always going to be an element of surety lacking. And so if we're living in the world where that's a reality, the best thing we can do to lay a foundation for decision making and to set ourselves up for meaningful lives is to embrace that reality, to say, I would love to be sure about certain things, but I'm not. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to call things, I'm going to name things the way that they ought to be named. I'm going to stop saying I'm certain when I'm really faithful. Uh, I'm going to stop saying I know things for sure when I really mean I believe things wholeheartedly. And what I am going to do is I'm going to say, I don't know, but here is what I think. And here is where I'm coming from. And here is my best choice in the midst of that complicated and unsteady reality. Because here is one of the most beautiful things about being human. You don't have to be certain in order to make choices. And a lot of times when we're talking about uncertain choices, Kyla and I will be talking with a student who comes in is like, I just don't know. You know, I just don't know if this is right. And it's like, well, you know, so <laughs> you you have a you have a good idea that this is what you should be doing, that this is what you want to do. It aligns with your values. Um, and, you know, one of the things that's difficult and that makes certainty, uncertainty so prevalent is that as soon as you make a choice, you're cutting yourself off to other choices. So in my earlier example, a person may really feel, really, really believe, really think that Pittsburgh would be best. It's closest to their family. Uh, the salary's higher. The boss that they're working for is going to be a, a great person that empowers them. The organization aligns with their values. And even if all of those things seem so clear and so right, there's always going to be that little bit of, of voice in your head. It's like, but San Francisco is really cool. And I could be, you know, close to a bunch of those great national parks that are over there. And I don't know, maybe something crazy would be a better choice for me. And so this uncertainty is just uh, going to be there no matter what. And we've got to recognize that because I think one of the things that really keeps us locked into uh, an inability to make choices, something that really freezes us, is we believe this lie that until I know for sure that this is correct... I can't make a decision. And so we freeze, we're frozen, and we're stuck. But life is inevitably uncertain. And so we've got to figure out how to unstick ourselves in the midst of uncertainty. Because the reality is, you don't need certainty in order to make decisions. What you do need is courage. And here's the funny thing about courage. You have to be afraid in order to be courageous. When Kylie and I were leading on the world race, she had a lot of the women who would come to her and say, uh, I want I want boldness. Like, Kylie, please take a minute and pray that I would be more bold. And Kylie would be like, okay, great. But you know, if I pray that, that means you're asking to be put in scary situations. The only way you can be bold is if you're scared. The, they necessitate one another. You've got to be uncertain You've got to be a bit in a bit of a wild, unclear situation in order to exercise courage. So you don't need certainty, but maybe because 
there isn't certainty, you do need courage to make your decisions. And so I think one of the best frameworks that has helped me in my process of trying to be more confident, more consistent, more values-based in my decision is realizing that I need to drop the standard of certainty and I need to elevate the standard of courage. So with all of this in mind, all of this complicated reality, how do we actually make choices when we're uncertain? And not to be glib, but the answer is you just make them. You weigh your choices with intention. You give it adequate time. You consider it carefully and wisely. Um, But you don't let yourself just linger there. At the end of the day, you have to have the courage to make a choice. And you have to have the courage to potentially make the wrong choice to potentially be incorrect or to make a mistake. And again, of course, we're not talking about just blindly jumping into things and throwing out the idea that negative consequences are problematic by just dismissing them. That That's foolishness, obvious foolishness. But what we are talking about is not being so afraid of failing that you lose your courage, not letting that fear be so strong that it eclipses your boldness. Uh, Because again, the two of them, boldness and fear, courage and uncertainty, those two things live side by side one another in our world. And one of them, especially when push comes to shove, has to eclipse the other one. And you're in charge of ordering those filters. So you get to decide which one goes in front of the other one. Which one is the lead? You can't get rid of fear and still be bold. You can't get rid of uncertainty and still be courageous. But what you can do is decide, I'm going to let this courage define my decision-making or I'm going to let this fear define my decision-making. That's the choice that that is ultimately in front of us. And that's the the truest framework for decision-making that I could put forth. Another piece of, of what I might say in terms of how you make choices when you feel you're feeling uncertain is to learn how to forgive yourself. Uh, don't hold yourself hostage to past mistakes. You know, a few weeks ago, I did I organized like this citywide scavenger hunt for our students, just this massive thing where we have a couple hundred students bouncing around New York City in a bunch of different groups and they're solving riddles and they're doing different tasks and and they're racing to this finish line and and they get competitive man they they get into it uh they uh they're working hard and, and they've put a lot into planning for this thing and they've put a lot into trying to come together to accomplish what's a really difficult day for them a really difficult journey and to be honest in my first time planning it this year to be honest I made some mistakes uh, there were some things that I didn't communicate clearly and, and it was, it was problematic for, you know, how teams ended up. And for the first, like one of the first times in my life, I honestly was like, yeah, I mean, that was a mistake, but I'll learn from it and move forward. I did the best I could early on and it wasn't perfect. And I got to own that and I've got to face the consequences of it. But at the end of the day, like I, I'm going to do nobody any good by just continuing to beat myself up over this mistake. Because if I do that for too long, what I'm going to start do is just blaming students and finding alternative 
stories in my own head to create to make it their fault and put the blame on them so that I don't have to deal with the consequences anymore. And I'm probably just like not going to learn and adapt and make the changes that would be necessary. And so what is so difficult for us in the midst of making choices is we tend to believe that the choice we are making today is the choice that defines who we are. And here's the truth. You are not the one decision you're making today. You are who you are as a person is the amalgamation of all of the decisions that you make. This giant uh, kaleidoscope of billions of decisions, that is very much who you are. But you don't look at a kaleidoscope and think that one green bead in there is what this kaleidoscope is all about. You know, I don't know a person, I'm almost 40. I don't know a person my age that hasn't made a catastrophic mistake in their life. You know, I don't know someone who hasn't been fired from a job uh, or done something in a dating relationship that that was terrible uh, or, you know, all kinds of different ways. People make mistakes, make big mistakes. And again, of course, we're not saying go make your mistakes, go make them, you know, all the time. Uh, But just in the effort of our trying and the courage of our trying, we're going to fall short. We're going to make mistakes. Uh, a few years ago, I mean, it's been several years now, but I got fired from a church that I was working at. And it was devastating to me because I thought, geesh, like, am I supposed to be doing this thing? Am I at all capable? Like, I was questioning my whole decision to um, to be in ministry and to be involved in the local church. And it was affecting my decisions moving forward. Should I continue doing this kind of thing? Am I capable of doing this kind of thing? Am I any good at this? Is this right? Have I totally messed up the path of my life? And I'll never forget one of my mentors uh, back home. I And of course, with these kinds of things happen, you're so embarrassed, right? You're so embarrassed at the bad uh, outcomes or the bad choices that you've made. And I'll never forget, I told this mentor about what happened. I got fired from this church. That's why I'm back home and with my in my parents' house right now. And he just kind of shook his head and, and gave kind of, you know, that knowing like not smile, but just kind of like curve of, of his lip. And he said, you know, that's a real shame, Joy, but I don't know anybody in ministry that hasn't gotten fired at least once. And it was just so like incredible to me, this, this, this thing that happened that I thought was just definitive of everything that I am. He treated it as like, it is weighty and it does think, but this isn't defining. It's just what happened. It's not about who you are. It's about the circumstances of today. So we've got to learn how to give ourselves some grace and again, not jump into mistakes, but allow ourselves to forgive ourselves. Because another thing that we get into is we start to believe that we are the consequences of our decisions. So it's problematic enough to think that we are one specific decision we have to make and our whole identity hinges on that one single thing. But what's even more problematic is thinking that our identity hinges on the response that people have to the decisions that we make. Because you cannot control if people are going to affirm or reject your decisions. It can be a great decision and people reject you. It can be a terrible decision and people affirm you. It can be fair or unfair. These are things that are well beyond your control. 
But what we tend to do is, uh, you know, we pull the audience. We tend to use uh, the response of the masses as the measuring stick for whether or not we made a right choice, for whether or not we are acceptable, for whether or not we are good. And the Bible talks about that as the approval of man, which is set up as the adversary to the approval of, of God. And so the applause of others is can be deceiving and is going to die down. The criticism of others can be deceiving and is going to die down. You cannot hold your identity shackled based on the consequences, real or imagined, that other people have to your decisions. Now, that being said, of course, it's also problematic for us to then say, well, I just, I just, it just doesn't matter what people think. Man, one of the things that made me laugh when I was in high school and college, I, I hear it less now that I'm a little bit older, but when I was younger, you would hear people say, I just don't care what people think. And it's like, well, A, that's not true. Um, and B, like you should care what people think. Um, you shouldn't let it control you. You shouldn't let it be definitive. But you should be open to people's responses in terms of giving feedback and helping you to ascertain the truth, right? And so, again, this is this is why we're addressing this in this episode. Decision-making and the, the confidence and um, the awareness of, of doing well is so elusive and so hard and so complicated to wrap our heads around. But what I want to encourage you guys through this episode is to take a step back. And again, let's try to just reset the deck. And instead of evaluating whether or not our choices are good based on how people respond, to evaluate whether or not our choices are good based on the courage with which it took to make that choice. Because we are an amalgamation of our decisions. We're not just one of our decisions. No matter how big that one decision is, it's, it does not define us. What does define us is the habits, the character, uh, the disposition that develops over time as a result of our decisions. The behavior, the attitude, the perspective that comes to be um, definitive of who we are is made through this amalgamation of decisions. And if we make a poor one, if we make an outlier decision, we can always surround that and overwhelm it with good decisions, better decisions moving forward. If we've made terrible decisions up to this point, the game isn't over. We can stop stop and start doing something better right now and start to create this new amalgamation that overpowers uh, what once was. You know, I've met a lot of people, I know a lot of people who are different today than they were 20 years ago. And all of that starts with the courage to do something different. So I, I know all of this is kind of a little bit of a pie in the sky thing. You know, Kylie's the uh, practical one, if you guys haven't noticed in these episodes. But um, the truth is, and this is what I want to close with today. The truth is we can't give you a fail-safe formula for decision-making. We can't tell you here's exactly what to do, here's exactly how it's going to work out. And the reason we can't do that is, well, there's multiple reasons, but the main reason we can't do that is, again, certainty is elusive. There is not one like pharisaical formula 
for how to do this well. This is about trying. This is about effort. This is about the courage to put your best foot forward, to have the honesty to evaluate how you've done and make the adequate changes moving forward. But here's a here's three uh, things that I would leave you with today to kind of keep in mind uh, as you face this uncertain world and you face this uncertain reality and you face uncertain choices. The first thing, as we've talked about a lot, is weigh your decisions by value. And what I mean is by your and like your set of values, what matters to you most. So, you know, the geography of Pittsburgh and San Francisco are both, you know, great in their own right. The proximity to family only matters if proximity to family is truly one of your deep fundamental values. And so I'm giving you permission here to say, I'm going to backtrack, ask myself why these things matter to me and enough that I get to a kind of a core foundation for importance. Because as human beings, we make decisions about what we perceive to be important to us. And what trips us up isn't so much that we aren't living according to our values. What trips us up is that we're living according to superficial or false versions of our values. And so take your time when you're settling into a choice to weigh it according to your values. Now that comes with a warning and the warning is to beware of your emotional blind spots. Be aware of the predispositions that you have. Uh, Beware of the way that your emotions might trick you uh, and and pull in your values to trick you. Um, but don't use the uncertainty of emotional influence or the uncertainty of your predispositions uh, to just give up the weighing of values-based decisions. You've got to start with values and you've got to stick with it. The second thing that I'll give you is a little bit more practical wrap-up to all of this is accountability. You are not alone. Find somebody that you can talk to. Um, I was, man, I was watching some, I was watching a documentary about 9-11, the 20th anniversary just came up. And, you know, for me, just like for many Americans, it was a uh, an incredibly impactful event uh, in my development. And as I was watching it, especially being a New Yorker now, one of the things that stuck out to me in the documentary that I was watching this year was about the way that New Yorkers were treating each other, even before the the obvious care of the firemen and people helping each other out. But just some of the scenes of people standing on the street, trying to share information, trying to like support one another, uh, trying to be there for one another People are crazy and do a lot of terrible things, Um, but people are also good and do a lot of beautiful things. And so even if you have someone that you're like, man, I don't, I don't really have some, or even if you're thinking, I don't really have someone in my life that like really knows me, that I'm really close to, that I can really like fully a hundred percent, like just trust and share every dark, dark secret with The truth is you don't really need that in terms of what I'm talking about now. When I say accountability, I'm talking about find a friend, find a coworker, find a pastor, find 
uh, a peer or um, just somebody, a family member, and just say, hey, this is what I'm thinking and this is why. How does that sound to you? And again, this idea of accountability comes with its own warning. And that warning is to beware that you don't create an echo chamber from yourself. Our natural tendency is to seek out that which validates where we already are. And so if I'm trying to decide about Pittsburgh and I really, really want to go to Pittsburgh, then I might find that friend that has already told me that they think Pittsburgh's the right decision and take take my accountability to them. Well, you see how this, you know, can be problematic. And, and you know, geography aside, we do this with a lot more meaningful things. We we surround ourselves with people who have the same biases that we do, uh, the same predispositions, the same emotional responses, or feel that they should in order to be a good friend. Accountability is about having somebody who supports your identity, who supports who you are, and can talk to you about what what decision you're making and why. And then at the end of the day, you're going to do this anyway, but at the end of the day, you've got to make your own choice. You can't accountability doesn't mean passing off responsibility to somebody else and asking them to tell you what to do. It means taking input which you have to sift through and discern as best you can. The last thing here and this is one of the things Kylie talks about a lot and was talking about as we were preparing for for this podcast episode it's just measuring the risk versus the reward. What is the potential that's in it? You know, she's out there right now trying to figure out uh, what medicine she needs to take and, and what order. And, and tonight she needs to start giving herself shots. And man, it's it's not just a risk. It's a, it's a sacrifice. It, it, and it's a risk. Be, the big risk is that we spend a lot of money doing IVF and that we put her body through this gauntlet that she's about to go through and it doesn't work out. That's the risk. And that's something that is real and something that we've got to evaluate. And one of the things that's important about analyzing risk is that it requires that acknowledgement of like, we don't know how this is going to work out. It's very possible that we spend a lot of money, that we put her body through this gauntlet, and we still don't have a baby at the end of the day. That's a risk. And that's a that's a scary proposition. And that is the cloud of uncertainty that is flowing over us right now. But the reward is the possibility of being parents, which at this point, after five years, we really think is something God is calling us into, not just something we want for ourselves, but something that uh, is a value for us in the sense that we are trying to be obedient to what feels like the direction um, we're supposed to go into. And, you know, again, I don't know that. I could be wrong about that. I could be self-deceiving about that. And that's one of the risks that, that we're taking. But being right about that would mean the reward for all of this craziness that we've been through the last five years is uh, being parents and helping to steward a life uh, towards maturity and towards God and towards taking ownership of, of that, you know, that child, that individual's existence and being able to influence that in in the most powerful way possible. So the risk reward measurement is this is entirely clouded in uncertainty. But to really measure those and decide like is the possibility of us um, being parents worth the possibility of us not being parents? And 
to really give ourselves permission, allow ourselves to to measure those things, to weigh those things uh, in, in true kind of accuracy and in true kind of um, faithfulness and values. The warning that comes with this one is that we tend as human beings to default to the familiar. When things are uncertain, we tend to go back to something that feels more certain. Just like, uh, you know, a two-year-old, you know, they're about that age where they seem to have this like tether connected to their parents and they can't wander too far away. But they're also like kind of trying to explore a bit. So, you know, you might be at a softball game with with one of the older siblings or something and the two-year-old will go see this dog and kind of explore a little bit. But then they, you can see the moment on their face when they all of a sudden realize that mom and dad are not as close as they would like them to be. And they kind of run and then sometimes just crying back to mom and dad's lap. That's what we tend to do when we realize we're out really in the midst of uncertainty is we tend to go back to something that feels safe. And what feels safe and certain are decisions that we've made in the past, consequences that we are familiar with. Which is tragic because some of the consequences we're familiar with are painful. Some of the consequences are abuse, right? But some people will go back to abuse because at least it is familiar. And that familiarity seems more certain than the risk of doing something different. So the last piece that I'll leave you with today is this. Be bold in the midst of uncertainty. You do not have to default to the familiar. Sometimes it's the right option and sometimes it isn't. Just because you've lived in the Northeast doesn't mean that Pittsburgh is that right decision for you. It might need to be something different. Be bold, be courageous, which means to live in the midst of uncertainty and to live in the midst of doubt, but to make your decisions regardless. Thank you for listening to the Crossroad Podcast. The world is out there waiting for you to become the best leader you can possibly be. We hope our conversations have helped. For more, please visit our website, thecrossroad.net.